0: Get ready for Crack the Customer Code, your audio guidebook for creating incredible
1: customer journeys. Adam, if you had to rate your work experience on Crack the Customer Code. (laughs) Actually, I don't even want to ask that question. I (laughs) I feel like this is a trap.
0: It's just like, uh,
1: honey, how do I
0: look in this? Uh, No, no, no. I'm not answering this, okay? (laughs) I know better.
1: But, you know, working together and producing this podcast is an experience unto itself. Would you agree?
0: Sure. This still (laughs) seems like a trap, but (laughs) yes, it is is an experience by uh, the, the broadest definition of the term. Sure.
1: And so I think, you know, people go to work and they are part of an organization and there's a culture and all of those things. And often we don't really credit that as an experience, a work experience. Well, and, you and I do. Well, yes, because we're
0: brilliant. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it's our job. But yes, exactly. A lot A lot of people don't look at that, right? The employee experience and the work experience as uh, an experiential, definable mm-hmm. thing that should be not only viewed that way, but approached that
1: way, right? That's what you're right, getting Right, and designed, okay. and designed. And I think that's what our conversation today really is helpful for, because if you're not thinking about it this way, it's really important to take that step back and as a leader and as just somebody who's part of an organization and really look at what is the work experience? What, how can we design that? So I th- I think that's a, an interesting lens to use.
0: Well, yeah. And it's, and it goes past design, which you, you'll hear in the episode it was talking about sustainability. Like how do you, mm-hmm. how do you keep it going? That's, I mean, designing it's probably the easiest part.
1: Mm-hmm, right. Create saying
0: this is what it would be fantastic if it happened. This would right. be great. That yeah, you know, we that happens with journey mapping, right? When we're talking mm-hmm. about customer experience, like this is our ideal journey.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And we're done. And we're done.
0: Thank (laughs) you so much. Right. Uh, So, yeah. So we get into those topics as well, talking about sustainability, what are the obstacles to it. It was a really fascinating conversation with Karen Jaw Madsen. So I'll tell you what, why don't you uh, tell us about Karen and we'll get into it.
1: Excellent. Organizational expert Karen Jaw Madsen enjoyed success as a corporate executive before pursuing a portfolio portfolio career, comprised of research, writing, consulting, teaching, speaking, and creative pursuits. As a versatile leader across multiple industries, Karen developed, led, and implemented numerous organizational initiatives around the globe. Today, this East Coast transplant to Silicon Valley via Ireland and the Midwest... is Principal of Co-Design of Work Experience, where she enables organizations with innovative approaches and customized solutions for intimidating challenges. Focus areas include culture, organizational change, and people strategies. Her book, Culture, Your Culture, Innovating Experiences at Work, was released in June 2018. She has a BA in Ethnic and Cultural Studies from Bryn Mawr, college and you did that Adam cuz you <laughs> <laughs> nope. and and a MA in social organizational psychology from Columbia University. Karen, we're so thrilled you're with us today. Thanks for being here.
2: Oh, thank you. It's been um really exciting to have the chance to talk with you guys. I got to tell you I'm enjoying uh, listening to your podcast. these uh, I, I told you earlier, I listened to five episodes and it was pretty much binge listening if that ever
1: <laughs> was a thing. Well, we love that. Thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to end the interview there. That's a good place to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, drop the mic. We're good. Well, <laughs> well, take care. Welcome. And let's jump right in. I want to talk about the design of work experience, which is what you focus on And I know you have a framework for it. So tell us a little bit about what's different about your framework and approach when it comes to designing that work experience.
2: Sure, Um, design of work experience was created because there needed to be this step-by-step how-to for culture. I even heard you guys talk about it in the past, Um, but there there definitely needs to be this thing that everyone talks about, but doesn't quite know how to do. And I felt like that need was there. So um, I created this framework that incorporated, obviously a lot of research and application, but the concepts of design thinking and change management especially. So I can talk all day about why it's special, (laughs) but uh, let me give you my top three instead. Well, perfect. First, yep, yeah, it's comprehensive. So from beginning to end, um, it, it's fully comprehensive nuts to bolt. What do they say? Um, soup to nuts. <laughs> well, That's what it is. To, yeah. <laughs> I was
1: struggling with that too for a second. <laughs> um,
2: I'll try not to go with the idioms here today. But um, going back to my point, the, the problem with the way many companies manage their culture today, if at all, is that it's done piecemeal. So it's often with Band-Aid solutions and trial and error. Um, My process covers the design, implementation, and the sustainability of culture, both strategically and tactically. So much so that it is woven into the very fabric of the organization by the time you're through. And another reason why it's comprehensive is that it can be applied to all different types of companies. So from early stage startups to long established conglomerates, regardless of industry. So it's, it's a universal in application, I like to say. So that's my top reason why it's different. The second is, unlike so many so-called best practices today, it doesn't take a one size fits all approach. So design of work experience co-design solutions that are custom built for the intended context That makes everything coming out of it relevant and impactful. And then third, uh, instead of only focusing on solving problems one by one, which, by the way, will never be over, (laughs) this framework (laughs) sets the conditions where those problems can exist. So that's a distinctly different point of view. It's Mm -hmm. the difference between being the best version of yourselves versus one where you have one less problem and then maybe a whole
1: new set of problems to deal with. So well, it's you, a framing you, difference, too. And I, I kind of keyed in on something you said there about how it's about sustainability of culture. And so I'm wondering kind of what does that look like? Why is that so important to have sustainability? Because that's not a word that comes up around work experience and the design of that a lot. So can you clarify that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. So sustainability doesn't necessarily mean permanence, right? What it
2: means is that it sticks long enough uh, for the time that you need it. Um, That's Mm. the way I explain it. Uh, With managing culture and particularly culture change, you need enough momentum to continue on before you end up actually snapping back like a rubber band and getting back into old habits. So I've mm-hmm. heard you guys talk a lot about, and I say this all the time, you know, it's an ongoing journey and it's something that has to be intentionally and consistently managed. And mm-hmm. that has to do with making sure there's enough of that, not only momentum, but content and push and initiative to make sure that the sustainability is there for the long term, that it becomes a part of the culture and the way things are. Mm-hmm.
1: So I that's like how you say that because it's not... Yeah, we don't need to be permanent because nothing's permanent, right? Forever and That's ever, right. but, um, but long enough to actually make the impact that we want it to make. And uh, so I really like that. Um, And I'm curious, and- <laughs> you've looked at so many things, like what kind of company cultures, what do you think are the ones that make for the best customer service?
2: so the one the companies that i think have the best cultures for customer service are the ones that value um, all the parties involved in it so it's not just those with customer service and their title but Mm -hmm. the other employees their management the customers themselves of course sales supply chain operations all the parties involved with getting great customer service out there and one that demonstrates the understanding of how they're all interconnected and then the companies that want Good customer service should also have cultures that are also empathetic and people-centered so that mm-hmm. you can have a set of, you know, this ability to anticipate people's needs before they even ask for it because you know them so well. Mm-hmm. And those companies that are flexible but also consistent. So because you can't plan for every scenario as you know, but you can have <laughs> a set of consistent values and principles behind everything you do. Mm-hmm. And so, then finally, I think there's, oh, go oh ahead. sorry, I have this running list in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, finally, the ones that have the willingness to evolve is needed in a timely fashion, as opposed to being only reactive after the fact. So I think mm-hmm. all, you've seen examples of all these scenarios, I'm sure, in your line of work.
1: Definitely, definitely. Yeah.
0: Uh, so- Yeah, and one of the things about culture, and I know you don't mean it this way. I'm just making a general statement. Yeah, just when we have these conversations, it just sounds so easy sometimes. We all know it's not, but it just sounds like, oh, you know, if we just did the right things, we'd have a good culture. Yet culture seems really tough, right? You know, that experience is really hard to, you know, the sustainability you talked about to design it from the beginning. So let's say you have a leader and they're You know they're focused on these principles. They're focused on trying to make all this happen. What are the roadblocks that they run into? What where where does that train? I'll 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 mix my metaphors here. When does that train (laughs) get off the tracks?
2: Um, Well, I think the challenge is, and I agree with you, by the way, culture is not easy to do because people are not easy, right? We're, we're complex beings and we're all together in one workplace. Um, so in general, I tend to answer that question by saying, well, it depends on the context. But if you want me to kind of answer it in a general sense, um, a lot of it does have to do with the sustainability piece. So how many people have seen all these organizational initiatives come and go as the flavor of the month, you know, and and instead of actually making any positive impact, it actually creates uh, even more cynicism around the culture piece, it would have been better if you did nothing at all, right? Because mm-hmm. if you start some change and then you step back from it and it doesn't stick and it, and you guys don't, not you, but of course the company doesn't follow through. <laughs> what?
1: Us? Wait a minute. <laughs> We're very offended. No. <laughs>
2: well, that's why I clarify. <laughs> um. Yeah, but a lot of it has to do with sustainability and commitment. And then the second piece is, of course, um, you know, we can have that whole discussion about is culture top down, bottom up. Um, I tend to say it's us with them. Um, mm-hmm. All parties are really important. But when the leaders don't demonstrate that commitment, how could they expect their teams to follow suit? So mm-hmm. that's certainly a leadership challenge to begin with, culture or not. Um But I I think those two are the biggest ones. But the rest, I think, are very much driven by the context of the organization, all the factors that are involved in every unique company.
1: Mm -hmm. I really like that. And I think the whole idea of this is kind of compelling for a reason that we might not have identified, which is this idea, going back to what you said about in the very beginning of this conversation, that we all kind of know these things instinctually. We know that like a good culture is a good culture. We know it when we see it, (laughs) Um, but we don't have those kind of steps to really make it work. So if you were advising the leaders out there who are listening to this right now, and what are kind of the red flags to look for that maybe they're not looking for right now in their own culture? And what are kind of the top two or three things that leaders should do to really make sure that they've designed an experience that's going to work for everybody? Uh, I think... I'm of the belief of this quote,
2: which is, we're perfectly designed for our current results. I heard that from mm. David writer once. Uh, and so if it's not working with your culture, you already know it. There's, it's a pass-fail, whether people find work meaningful, if they're engaged, if they're inspired to do the work that they do, if they see the greater purpose of Mm -hmm. all their efforts collectively, all those are evidence of whether or not they're on the right mark. Now, yes, it's great to have some aspirational culture, but if that gap between what you say and what you do is way too big, Mm -hmm. that's actually going to erode trust as well. So I've worked with clients around closing that gap because... I think people are very forgiving in the sense that as long as the effort is being made and they're working with them along the journey, they're, people can be patient enough to see as long as they understand and, and see evidence of that progress, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but those red flags, and actually, I just tweeted about it this morning because there was a company that made the news yesterday. And it, it's so funny once a headline hits, that you actually can see all the red flags that were publicly out there, right you know <laughs> so easily disproved you know quotes that they or or evidence that they've given to the media mm-hmm. um, they had a social impact statement on their website, but no cultural values, mm-hmm. and they had these abysmal scores on Glassdoor, which um, are all tiny little little red flags i mean you don't I'm telling this to leaders all the time it doesn't hit you upside the head until it happens, right? Right. But you could look back and say, there were all these red flags, we had plenty of opportunities. And now we're dealing with a crisis. So it's always better to be intentional and not put off this culture. Because I always say culture is either an asset or a liability. And every company makes that choice,
1: whether they consciously do it or not Mm -hmm. you know it's it's just like customer experience right like there's always a customer experience (laughs) it's just you might not like what it is if you're not paying attention
2: (laughs) yeah and and the and the work that i do actually frames all that and designs for an experience so you guys Mm -hmm. talk about customer experience because you know, that's how we're coded as humans. That's how we remember things. We mm-hmm. we talk about our experiences. We don't talk about that transaction on the website or that particular phone call. It's the thread of the entire memory, right, that that right. gets stored and what we share with other people. So experiences are so fundamental. And, and for some reason, particularly when it comes to company culture, people don't frame it as an experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And it needs to be.
0: Well, yeah, it seems like there needs to be a sense of curiosity for leaders. And what I mean by that is when you talk about these red flags, right? Any of these in isolation, that's all it is, is a red flag. It's not necessarily an indication you're doing bad, right? I mean, if you're a Fortune 500 company, one bad glass door review means nothing. It doesn't mean you have a problem. It doesn't mean you have a bad culture. It means you had one bad review. But it seems like the people who do culture right are the people who at least figure out what that one review means Mm -hmm. is there what does it lead to what evidence you know what trail does that send us down and maybe we find out okay we had an employee that just shouldn't have been here and okay the manager is good the department's good everybody's kicking butt it's an aberration or hey we've got an issue in leadership so to what degree is you you mentioned pass fail which i thought was an interesting Thing Because it seems to me like it's sort of an evolutionary process. You're always refining, always. And I may not really have interpreted what you meant by pass fail. uh, So feel free to clarify. But it seems Mm -hmm. like we're, you know, one thing about culture is it's an ongoing sort of process of, you know, investigation and correction and improvement.
2: Yeah, it's all that and then some. Um, when it comes to the pass fail, what I what I refer to in that is the fact that, especially here in Silicon Valley, we there's a huge bias toward um, data based decision making for better or worse, mm-hmm. and everyone's always looking for data. What are the numbers behind that, right? And yes, quantitative data can be informative, uh, but qualitative data can be even more um, more stringent when mm-hmm. I say it's a pass-fail, right? So when you talk to a company, you talk to employees, do we have a good culture or not? Pass-fail, yes or no, mm-hmm. right? So that's what I mean by pass-fail. Gotcha. Um, and and I think that, yes, we're talking that- about patterns of behavior for better or worse. So if people are seeing evidence or consistent patterns of a great culture, they're going to perceive a great culture and vice versa. But any single incident should be an opportunity or a watershed moment for an organization to to take a moment, and I call this organizational self awareness or organizational mindfulness of paying attention, because that's when they get caught unawares. They're not paying attention. They're mm-hmm. always focused ahead. They don't know what's, and they don't know what's happening in their own backyard, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that's what I mean. If that if makes a lot, yeah, that makes a lot of I, sense,
0: yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting. I didn't know you were out in Silicon Valley. I mean, that's. Uh, the approach to culture out there, you know, in a microcosm is sort of so different than the broader economic uh, you know, market. It's a, it's a very interesting. What would you say? Um, let's do this, because I know we've got to wrap up here. Let's do if you can, one thing that Silicon Valley, I know we're we're sort of broad brushing the whole air, you know, whole sector and, and area. But one thing that overall Silicon Valley does better with culture than sort of the average market. And then one thing they do worse with culture compared to the average market. Put you on the spot. <laughs> sure.
2: We're going to stereotype Silicon Valley now. now exactly. Um, That's all we're doing. <laughs> no, um, I'm, I'm just kidding, because actually the answer, uh, I'm going to give the same answer for, for both. And oh, that okay. is um, Silicon Valley is really good about talking about culture. Mm and that's also the problem.
0: <laughs> I like it perfect. Right,
2: right because uh, yes, it's a it's a part of the conversation, it's on the radar, people talk about it, they don't take the action they should. So me having grown up in on the east coast, lived overseas, worked in the midwest as well, and now on the west coast, I see a lot of cultural differences in the conversations. I also see patterns of behavior that demonstrate that the lack of commitment when it shouldn't be a lack of commitment. So we talk about it and we don't follow through. We, we push that culture work off for other so-called priorities and they don't realize how much culture is a part of those priorities and culture is going to make a difference when it comes to those priorities. Um, so it is a, it's a, it's both a gift and Um, a burden that Mm -hmm. we talk about it here a lot in Silicon Valley, there's a lot more that needs to be done. And I see a lot of um, very well informed, I would say, some well intentioned efforts around that space. Um, But I think the reason why I'm out here, and I'm talking about design of work experience is because there needs to be a discipline, a strategy, um, a map, a roadmap for people so that they're consistent about their culture over a longer period of time.
0: Well, you've dove- dovetailed well with customer experience because we talk about this all the time on the customer experience side. Mm-hmm. Talk is cheap.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> true.
2: It's true.
0: talking it's- about the cu- talking about the customer and acting on their behalf is yes. not the same thing.
1: Well, but exactly. but it's important to talk about it, right? So we're that, exactly. in that full circle. So <laughs> <Yeah>. with bullhorn, <laughs> I think we've come full circle. Um, thank you so much for being here, Karen. This was great information, and I can't wait to dig in a little bit more. And I'm sure our listeners do. Uh, want to do that as well. So where could could they find out more about you and, and the work you're doing?
2: Sure. Uh, you can start with my website, www.designofworkexperience.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Karen, Jaw, Madsen. There's only one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on social media as well, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So a lot of ways to connect with me, and I can talk about this stuff all day long. Um, and nice. I and I also, like some of your other guests, um, have a tendency to be very much um, biased toward helping people, sometimes to my own detriment. (laughs) Uh, But I'm happy to engage with folks on this conversation because it's so important.
1: It is. It is. Well, thank you again for the work you're doing and for joining us today. Thanks so much. So culture, (laughs) it's such a big topic, isn't it?
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's... uh... It's good we're having the discussion, right? I mean, yeah. that's an, it's an important, uh, to uh, Karen's point, that is an important thing, yeah. right? That we're having the discussion and uh, focused on it because, you know, when you and I came up, uh, it was only a few years ago for you, I know, but I'll admit <laughs> to my age. I appreciate and, that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know. Look, I, here's a here's the deal. I got two business degrees. I think I maybe heard the cult the word culture once mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, in all in all those years. Uh yeah, it's just not it's it, it's always been there because it is a thing that mm-hmm. just exists, whether you talk about it or not. But it's being focused on so much more in the last decade and, and you know, there's sort of a lot of dynamics behind it. But I, I think Karen really helped us just look at Ways to approach it,
1: Mm -hmm. for sure, for sure. And I loved the point about you know it's important to talk about, but it's also a detriment to talk about it too much. (laughs) It's like we have to to watch that. Well, to
0: only talk about it and not do anything,
1: right? Right. Right. So, yeah, for sure. But I think, uh, yeah, I think this one will get people thinking. So, of course, as always, let us know what you think. We love feedback, don't we, Adam? Who loves feedback?
0: We love feedback. We yes, we do love feedback. And- <laughs> we love feedback. How about you?
1: <laughs> so there you go. We've got that and a cheer for you. <laughs> <laughs> what else can you want in a podcast? Really?
0: <laughs> Basically.
1: Uh, so as always, we thank you so much for being here and for listening to crack the customer code. Crack the customer code is a proud member of C-suite radio. So be sure to check out all the great business content at csuiteradio.com and CsuiteTV.com, I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our journey mapping programs, customer experience training, and speaking at experienceinvestigators.com.
0: And I'm Adam Deporek, and you can learn more about me and our customer service workshops, training, keynote speaking, and all that other good stuff at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself.
1: And take care of your customers.